Good to see you guys. Thanks for coming out for a really great event. I was um, in anticipation of this, just so excited. It's it's rare to get to sort of uh, take a peek behind the curtain of the process with someone, uh, some filmmakers who have contributed so much uh, sort of unique creativity to cinema. And so I'm very excited along with you. Um, let's take a very quick look before we introduce our guests tonight behind the scenes at the making of Anomalisa. This was a very challenging film to make. I wanted it to be emotional and small and realistic. I thought that would be an interesting stop-motion animated movie. Everything is so small and detailed and beautiful. That's the thing about stop-motion, like every single thing is made. animator had a goal of two seconds of animation, which is 48 individual frames of animation per day. You're watching this thing that's been handmade, that's been created by, by people, that's been manipulated by animators. You can see that and you can feel it. I think you're extraordinary. Why? I don't know yet. It's just obvious to me that you are. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, two of the filmmakers behind this extraordinary movie. Writer, director, producer Charlie, Charlie Kaufman is the screenwriter of unforgettable films, including Being John Malkovich, Adaptation, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, for which he won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. He also wrote and directed the film Synecdoche, New York. Please welcome Charlie Kaufman. Director, producer Duke Johnson has worked in stop-motion animation on television shows including Moral Oral, Mary Shelley's Frankenhole, and Before Oral. He also uh, directed the Emmy Award-winning episode of NBC's Community entitled Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. Unbelievable. Welcome, Duke Johnson. It's so good to talk to you guys tonight. Um, Seeing some of the behind-the-scenes footage there, it's incredible to see what went into the making of this film. It's very cool also that we have a set piece over here on the side with uh, some of the puppets in there as well and, and the, the maquettes. Um, let's just get into this, starting off with the origins of this whole thing. Um, this was written uh, as part of uh, Carter Burwell's Theater of the New Ear, written to be a sound play. What were some of the biggest challenges right out of the gate that you saw that, that would be present in taking this to film? Well, the diff I mean, the thing was, it was designed not to be seen. It was the actors were on stage, and they were clearly not doing the things that they were talking about doing, and that was part of the conceit of the thing, or maybe the whole conceit. So, you know, when we had to approach it as a visual thing, I had to throw that away. And for me, that was hard because it was written to be this other thing. Sure. So, uh, and Duke, for you, because this worked so well as a story without visuals, uh, did that create a sense of certainty for you that this is going to work when we put it on film? You know, we were looking to explore stop motion with more adult stories, and this was just a great story. It was a great script, and it also was something that had been produced but not visualized, which created the idea that it could kind of be anything if it were to be visualized. Um, 
So, you know, we knew it was going to be a challenge, but we thought it was worth it. Sure. One of the interesting things we see uh, visually as we watch the film, uh, we see the seams of the, the, the maquettes, the characters. Talk to me about us seeing the seams, the philosophy behind it, how that came into play, as opposed to more traditionally those things would be airbrushed out digitally or something of that nature. Talk to me about the seams. The thing about stop motion is that it's it's imperfect by nature because it's made by hand. It's manipulated one frame at a time by hand. And that handmade quality comes through. You can see it because it's it's imperfect. And the seams are just part of that. They, they enhance that. And then also, you know, it, it lent itself to what we felt were some of the themes within the story as well. We access these characters through some really authentic, sometimes humorous scenarios. Um, one of the great moments in the film is uh, the landing scene uh, where our main character is coming into Cincinnati. We actually have a clip of that and we'll talk more about it after we watch. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to be the first to welcome to Cincinnati. For the local time is 7.43 p.m. and the temperature is 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Sorry, I, I grabbed your hand. It's okay. It's a reflex. I'm usually sitting next to my wife. But I don't like to fly. I said it's okay. You can let go now, though. Uh, so, really remarkable what you were able to pull off with limited resources and limited time. Do you want to say something about uh, that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's true. <laughs> um, you know, typically, just some examples of things, typically a, a stop motion film will have like maybe about a year and a half of research and development to get the puppets right and figure out how to do things, but we didn't have the money to do that. So what we did is we just sort of made things to look good although they didn't really function properly to begin with, and we shot things that didn't involve characters interacting with each other as we were kind of developing the puppets and, and getting them to a, a point where they could function properly. Part of the kind of magic of, of how this all came together is unlike uh, normal animation filming, the actors are typically separated. In this case, in, to some degree, the actors recorded their parts together. So, I mean, I think sometimes it's pragmatic for them because they're big stars and they can't get them in a room together. But, um, you know, we shot, we, we recorded this in two days, uh, pretty much like a play um, in sequence. And so it's pretty cool because, you know, Tom, who's playing all the parts other than the two characters, is doing all the parts in real time. He's switching back and forth between the mother and the child and Emily and the waitress. And, um, you know, any time he's more than one character in a scene, he's doing all of them. Um, just one after another. So it, it's, it's, it's pretty impressive um, to watch and it was kind of fun to watch. Duke, is there something you can look back on that was the most difficult aspect of this to adapt from that original uh, stage environment? Um, coming up with this world from scratch, a, a lot of times when I've worked in animation in the past, you're kind of calling back to previously existing animation things. So there, there's either a world that's already established or with the case of like community, you're kind of, you're kind of calling back to like Rankin-Bass Christmas specials and updating it or something. But this was a, a world that was completely created from scratch by us um, in every aspect. And 
um, that was probably the biggest challenge. Given all that you were up against, the challenges you faced, is there a visual that you're most proud of that you were actually able to pull off given the hurdles that were, that were uh, in front of you? It's always cool when you have to compromise because of budgetary limitations and you come up with a creative choice that is better, you feel like it's better than if you had unlimited resources. One example of that is, is this car sequence. It's a, it's, he takes a cab ride from the airport to the hotel. And you know we couldn't build like Cincinnati outside the window just passing by. So we set up this entire network of, of lights, horizon lights and street lamps and other cars that were all animated passing by out the window to create the sense of movement and the illusion of you know this car going through a city. And I think it works really well, and it also adds to a sort of surreal, dreamlike quality to the film. So uh, to Michael, everyone looks and sounds the same, specifically like Tom Noonan uh, in terms of sound, except Lisa, Jennifer Jason Lee's character. Everything changes when he meets her, and we're going to have a quick look at that interaction and talk about it. She's very ordinary, incredibly self-deprecating, a bit shy. She knows who she is and she accepts her world. She's made peace with all the things she thinks about herself. She has sort of found her peace within that. This is Lisa. One of the, obviously, the central character, Michael Stone, he deals with, uh, I guess you could say, many demons. He at least is struggling with a lot of things. Was there a person? Was it very introspective? What, what did you have in mind as you wrote him? Well, I mean, I was looking for a way to use three actors and, and have one actor play a lot of characters. Then um, I thought it kind of worked really well to have two people who had distinct voices and one person who voiced everybody else. And that leads to kind of a story in my mind about an inability to connect with other people. So that's what it was. All great stuff. It's really good to hear from you guys. And I believe now we're going to open up and uh, take a few questions. This one's for Charlie. Um, would you talk a little bit about your writing process and how you take such abstract ideas and make them so impactful for a person? I kind of think maybe I don't start with the abstract idea. Maybe that's how it works. I don't think I think weird, and then how do I make that work emotionally? It's it's the reverse. Hi, Charlie. Um, so you've directed a lot of live, you've directed live action. How is it different directing stop motion? My experience in live action was in every film I've worked on is that you have so much so much goes on in post production and editing and rewriting in you know in in the editing process and and I like that. I like the idea that you're exploring something and you're figuring it out as you go along, which is how I write. And you know, this was sort of like, no, you're not figuring it out, you're not exploring it, you're just making decisions now before you know what the hell you're doing. And um, so that made me really agitated. And, um, but there was no choice but to do it that way. And it, it ended up working out okay. Um, the other thing is that it's very, very long. I mean, as a, as a live action movie, we probably could have shot this in 12 days. And as it was, we shot it in two years. And um, 
you know, like the sex scene took six months to shoot, just that first shot in the sex scene. So that experience was very different too than it would be if I were directing a live action thing for me. Uh, yeah, given how disposable writers are in Hollywood, do you feel like moving forward you're always going to attach yourself as like a co-director or a director? I mean, given your last two movies. Struggling to get into this business, I got in as a writer and I love writing. Um, but I've always had the idea that I would write and direct my stuff and I'm not going to sort of let go of it um, because I... I because I like the process and I like directing and I like working with actors and I want to have sort of that element of control um, that I don't have as a writer. Hi, um, I was just wondering about your writing process. Do you outline your story and choreograph it in a sense or is it more impetuous or organic? I, I find often that like six or eight months into a project I, I suddenly realize what I want it to be and if I had decided six or eight months earlier, I wouldn't have a very good movie. So I, I, I allow myself to make mistakes in the writing and go back and revise and that sort of thing. If you were an interviewer interviewing Charlie Kaufman about Anomalisa, what would you ask him? I mean, I really don't think I would take the gig. I'm, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sort of serious. I don't know. I don't know if I want to, like, this has been a relentless process and I feel like I've talked this thing to death and I don't know to what end. So, um, and I wouldn't know what to say. I mean, I, I, I don't envy anybody having to ask me questions and I wouldn't wanna, I wouldn't envy myself having to ask me questions, so. Big hand for Charlie Kaufman and Duke Johnson. Thank you. And thank you all for coming tonight.